Uh, so we're in week two of the series, Uncomfortable. Um, and one of the things, I, I, we did, talked about this last week, we sent out a Facebook post and just said, hey, tell us about your uncomfortable moments or things that make you uncomfortable. And they were just too good uh, not to share. And so I brought a couple more of them along. Um, I hope this isn't too pretentious to start with mine, but I just, I'm just a, such a firm believer in the discomfort and uncomfortability caused when someone's chewing with your mouth open. Anybody? Like that is just why? Like, don't, like, I can't, I can't even focus on what you're saying because what's happening in your mouth is, is all-consuming uh, to my sensory inputs. Um, so that's very uncomfortable for me. Um, one, the next one was from, was it Simone? Simone, um, can, maybe you guys can't see that very well. Um, when someone says something to me and I don't understand what they're saying, so I ask them to repeat it, but I still don't understand, so I just have to half laugh and nod and hope that's the acceptable response. Yeah, absolutely, all the time. It's like, oh, your relative died? Oh, great. You know, it's just, it's uncomfortable. Um, and then the last one, I think, is Brent. Brent, um, I just really resonated with this one. Awkward situations on television or in movies, you know, when, like, they know they should be talking to each other, they should say what's going on, and if they did, it would just solve the problem in the whole movie, and the movie would be over, but they don't. It's just so awkward, and you're like, Ooh. anybody have that? Just me and Brent. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I have to change the channel because it's just so uncomfortable. I, just, I personally don't like those awkward moments on TV or awkward moments in relationships either where you like know they're angry at each other and you're standing there watching it happen and you're like, maybe I'll just need to go talk this out, but it's right there in front of you and it's uncomfortable. And certainly, really, just anytime we're in a relationship, there are going to be things that are in general um, uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about like, let's go create uncomfortable moments in our relationship. Please don't hear me saying that. Our goal today is not to create uncomfortable moments, so that will create lasting relationships. Not at all. And also, I will admit that there are moments, truly, where there is discomfort, there is uncomfortability, and that is a red flag, and you need to get out of that situation, get out of that relationship, and we're not talking about that either. We're talking about the uncomfortable moments, situations, topics that can lead us to grow. But because they're uncomfortable, we avoid them. And when we avoid them and we're not honest about them and we don't talk about them, I think we lose something really, really important. And I don't just simply want to, I don't want you to all to lose out on that opportunity. I, I want you to feel encouraged and maybe even a bit equipped to move through those uncomfortable situations um, in existing relationships or maybe new relationships um, because I think you'll be better for it. I know I've been better for uh, moving through those relationships. And so that's what we're going to talk about today through the rest of this series. Um, um, but then I also have one, like, alternative kind of uh, goal in this series, and so I'll just kind of straight up tell you what it is, and that is for you to join a small group. And so if you've got a program, and I realize if you're regular here, you generally just don't grab programs anymore, and that's cool, um, but there's an insert in your, um, uh, in your program, and uh, it's uh, advertising the small groups, some of them at least, there's more online, but um, that are available this fall for you to join. Um, and it's essentially 8 to 12 people, because I realize I didn't grow up with small groups. That was not a part of our church culture. Um, but there are a group of people, 8 to 12 people, that meet regularly for about a year, which is like a big commitment, I understand. We'll talk about that. To grow relationally and to grow spiritually. And I think that there is a lot of great things that can come from that. However, I want to acknowledge that it's uncomfortable. 
specifically um, because our schedules are so busy, like as the front row kind of pointed out, the idea of relaxation is not a common thing anymore. We're always going, 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 and so to find room in our schedules to spend intentional time in relationship and growing relationally and spiritually with other people could be a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to figuring out our schedule, saying no to other things, and it's just, it's just difficult, but I think there's a lot of things that can come from being in a healthy relationship with one another. And one of the reasons uh, that I know this, and we've actually talked about this before, we've looked at this bit of uh, scripture before, um, but one of the reasons we know this is because at the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there was this little bit of a bump in the road, I suppose you could say. And we've talked about this one before, um, but it's a bump in the road that I think is worth bringing up again, especially if you haven't been here for a while, um, because it's just like such an important thing. And, um, and I realize, uh, because we're going to be jumping into the book of Genesis uh, and the creation story, I realize there's uh, a lot of contention, so to speak, around the creation story. And was it 5,000 years? Was it billions of years? Big bang? How's that all work? I'm not going there today. That's not the point of this. Um, and I hope that that will not be a hang-up for you. You will not be able to take away the truth of today's message. Um, because honestly, I think there's a truth there regardless regardless of how you piece that all together. Um, and, I, and I know that because I think by the time we get to the main point of this verse, you'll sit there and you'll be like, deep down, that's just kind of true. There's just no way around it. I may not want it to be true. I may not prioritize it and make it true, but it is kind of true. And it's a really good point. And so we're going to look at this creation story. We're going to look at this little bump in the road in the creation story and how that affects us. So, if you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with how this story goes. God creates heavens and earth. He creates light, dark, creates all this stuff, okay? And you may also be familiar with a little phrase that repeats itself um, at the end of these moments of creation, okay? So God creates something, and then he saw it, and, and what did he see? He saw that it was good. Yeah, very good. He saw that it was good, all right? So God creates all this stuff, okay? He rests all good. Um, and so things are good in the story at this point. Yes, things are good? You can all agree? Okay, things are good. All right, I'm going to assume that you're nodding your heads. Okay, then we get to this part in Genesis chapter 2. It said, the Lord God took the man, so he created man, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Essentially gave, gave man a job, all right? So man has a job, which is important, okay? And then the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, very famous part, but you should, must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Okay? Very dramatic. So essentially, God gave him rules. And it's all good, right? I mean, at this point in the story, it's all good. We can agree with that? Like, it seemed to be going pretty well. When do things go off the rails a little bit? When, when does God say, whoa, time out, not good, not, no, not when the woman stepped in. <laughs> Good try. Good try. And if you grew up in the story, but that's what you know, right? I mean, that's kind of the story that you know. Things actually stopped time out, didn't go well, when the Lord God looked at the situation and he said this. He said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Isn't that interesting? There's no sin in the world. Nothing's, nothing's run afoul yet. And God's like, time out. 
I've created the universe. I've created all this vastness, this incredible, I mean, just in the midst of just this beautiful picture of the creation account. And, and looking at it and saying, oh, this is good, and this is good, and this is good. God looks at man being alone and says, what? Not good. In the midst of that, grand, I mean, think about that. For God, God of the universe and one itty-bitty little man on an itty-bitty little planet, because really we are a very little in comparison to the universe, okay, that God looked at that man and said, I care so much about that man and his well-being, and it is not good because he is alone. The point being, you're not meant to be alone. To which I realize most of us would probably say, well, Taylor, I'm not alone because I have friends, and I have family, and I have children, and I have parents, and I have neighbors, and I have uh, Insta followers, and I have Facebook friends, and I have so much on my schedule. I'm so busy. I got this going on, that going on. I got people everywhere around me. But it doesn't mean that you can't be alone, because let's be honest, Adam had a lot of things going on. I mean, he had a, like a whole garden to take care of, okay? He had animals to talk to. Some of you talk to your pets, okay? I mean, it's a very one-way communication style, all right? But you do. And God said that's not good. Why? Because just because you're in proximity or just because you're in the presence of other pe people, in other words, proximity and presence, it doesn't count. They don't count. And you kind of, you actually kind of know that. I mean, the reality is it kind of gets you by, it buys you time, it makes you feel like you're in relationships with other people because other people know you and you know them. But like, how much do you know them? You know, like really? Very little. Those relationships get us by, but they don't change our lives. I mean, maybe once or twice that impromptu meeting will impact your life in a meaningful way, but, but chances are it's not until you really get to know people and have a relationship with them, that things start to change. Proximity, physical closeness, is not a prerequisite to depth. Just as some marriages are this far apart, even though they spend this much time together, or they look or appear this close together. That's how this works. And you may be able to have people in your lives whom you spend time with them, right? I mean, you go out on weekends or weeknights, and you make memories together. I mean, that's beautiful. You make memories together. But that doesn't necessarily change your life. It's just a wonderful, warm, feel-goody memory. And you can fill your life with warm, feel-goody memories, but that may never stretch you or encourage you to grow. Why? Why? Because it goes beyond just a social calendar. Because in many of our er areas of our lives, our lives are not just simply social calendars. You know that, right? Our lives are diverse. There's, there, in one moment I wake up and I'm Taylor the pastor, and then in the next moment I switch into Taylor the parent, and the next moment I switch into um, Taylor the counselor, and then the next moment I switch into the budget finance guy, and then I, the next moment, I mean, there's just all these areas of our lives and of our work and of our career. Um, because we're still alone, essentially, deep down we're still alone because in most of the important areas of our life, nobody's there with us. 
Nobody's going through our lives in these important areas of our lives. Now, maybe in the fun areas of our lives, but in the marriage area of your life, you're just really alone. You don't have anybody there to do life with you. I mean, think, just ask yourself, I guess, who, who do you talk to regularly and meaningfully about faith? And don't, don't say me because I talk at you. I, don't, I may talk with you once in a while, but I talk at you most of the time. But who do you talk with? Who in your life, like, pushes back and says, hey, I'm not, I'm not sure you're looking at that right? And it's like, yeah, well, I don't want people in my life that do that. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but <laughs> that's kind of the prerequisite to growth is to say, hold on, I don't think this is, this is good. I don't think this is healthy. How about, how, about, how about parenting? How many people do you talk to, not gossip to or vent to about your children, but like talk to about how you parent? How many people have you sat down and you like read a book about parenting? Like love and logic. That's just a very basic, common interesting read on parenting. Or we did a series on parenting, and I gave you some other, other options. Have you ever sat down and done like a little study or even gone through a message series with a group of other people and just said like, hey, here's what's going well in my life, and here's what's not going well in, in, in their lives, and I don't know how to exactly parent through this season. I just got done uh, a few months ago reading a book, uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, um, because I'm a father of a daughter, actually soon to be two daughters, and so I got to get my act together, essentially, and it was just very insightful. I mean, there was just things in there that I was like, I have to have these conversations starting at like three? I had no idea, and it's not like an intense conversation. It's just the beginnings of a longer conversation, so when you get to 14, you got to have the conversation. This is not a new thing. Wow, what if you started when you were at three? not when it's, oh, too late. Or marriage. Study on marriage. How many of you have read, like, a marriage book, like a manual on marriage? How many times have you read something else, like on Facebook or Instagram? Or how many times have you read, like, a manual trying to figure out your new toy that you just bought or whatever it was, you know, or your kids' toy or whatever? I bet we invest more into figuring out the things that we buy in our lives and our social media feeds than we do even into our marriages. And I guarantee you, I will give you, after service, if you want them, I'll give you three books, you read them, and they will be a gut check to your marriage. At least it has been to mine. And it's like, wow, I had no idea. But until you're in a relationship and in a community where you have people and you're talking about it and you're saying, you know what, I literally, and it's uncomfortable to stand up and say, the truth is, I don't actually know how this works. All I've had is my parents as my reference, and let's be honest, are they the best reference for you to go off of? They're a starting point, but are they as best as you could be? And we find, I think if we think about it, that after all, in some of the areas that matter the most, we're actually doing it really alone. And you're like, yeah, but, but I got my spouse there. Yeah, but your spouse is there to love you. Your spouse is there to be married to you, not to fix you. Now, will they grow you and maybe fix you along the way? Yeah, maybe, but that's not their goal. So why not invite other people into your life that could speak into these areas so that you could grow? And heads up, it's going to be uncomfortable, and you know it. And that's probably why we avoid it. But when you open up, 
And as we talked about last week, as you move through that uncomfortability and you start to build trust, things start to flourish. You begin to understand one another. You begin to able to talk about deeper subjects, subjects that may have made you uncomfortable in the past because you know they're not there to make you feel bad. They're there to help you through it. And things start to change. I'll be honest, math was really uncomfortable for me growing up, like for years of my life. But that's the cost of learning sometimes. And do I still need math today? Yes. Now, as much as they told me every day, no, I didn't need it as much as they said, right? But it was still helpful in life today. And so, I hope that you can maybe see that sometimes you have to go through uncomfortable um, situations, uncomfortable topics, uncomfortable people, uncomfortable moments to grow, to grow. To grow. Now, I want to camp out, and we're going to camp out on it a little bit more next week as well, but I want to camp out on the fact that how much this really messes with us, this uncomfortability. Because, like, deep down, you know, if you, like, grit your teeth and you could just move through it, you know, like, a new relationship, I'll just, I'll just get through it, especially if it's, like, a romantic relationship, you know, we can move through amazing amounts of discomfort if that person is good-looking enough, Okay? I mean, it's amazing. I see people, I'm like, wow, you'd, you'd never do that before, but now it's like you're on superpower mode or something because they're just in love. But in the everyday life of just getting through the day-to-day and getting through the important things of our lives, the things that really matter, the things that make generational even differences, I just want to touch on how this gets in the way because our expectation, I think, if I can get this right, Our expectation is when we get into a new relationship or we join a small group or something, it's going to look a lot like this. Snowflakes and sparkles. Okay? That this is what we're going to see. And we like the appearance of this. Why? Is because, one, I can see through it. It's easy. And it's beautiful. And I could sit there and I could, I'll shake this up so you can just enjoy that and maybe pay attention to me, maybe not, okay? And it's just so much is going on and it's so dynamic and it's sparkly and, I mean, it's just, it's a win, okay? And it's just easy. And that's what we want relationships to be because they're nice to look, around, look at, they're nice to be around. I mean, we put these things, snow globes, right? We put them on our, our uh, 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 to decorate our homes and all that stuff, especially around holidays when we want to be festive and exciting and family-orientated and all that stuff. Now, I'm just speaking for myself here. That is not my life, okay? That's not my life, okay? Let me tell you something, just heads up. Ministry is not like this, <laughs> Being a pastor is not like that, okay? And I'm assuming there's times in your job things are not like that. And I'm assuming there's times in your marriage and in raising your kids and with your finances and having difficult conversations and friendships and families that are not like that as well. Why? Because that's not our life. Come on, people. Now, you can choose to look at the people in your life that don't make you feel uncomfortable, that look a lot more like that and are just enjoyable to look at and you just kind of want to shake them up because they're just so much fun. But all we're doing is we're keeping ourselves at odds away from the moments and the people and the topics that are more difficult. We're hiding those in our own life 
and we're avoiding them in other people's. And I get it. We want to avoid that. I get it. Totally. And so I just brought along, I went to, um, down to the creek behind my home, and, um, and we have, uh, some neighbors have horses, some other neighbors have cows. This is upstream, okay, so moves downstream, and I just stuck my shovel in, and I put it in here. So I don't know what's in here, um, but there's, it, I mean, it's, let's just agree it's a mess, okay? And it is difficult, and we don't want, oh, it's leaking too. <laughs> what a perfect sermon illustration. <laughs> and they leak, and they get all over, and I don't have a towel, but we're just going to, we're going to make that work, okay? And they leak, and it's just a mess, right? <laughs> That's just too perfect. Okay, I'm going to wash my hands afterwards. Um, <laughs> and you don't want to look at that, right? You don't want to have anything to do with that. You don't want to bring that thing up to your neighbor. You don't want to bring that thing up to your spouse or your friend. Or you know that's going on in your kid's life, but like, where do you even begin trying to clean that up? I mean, I'm not a water expert, but I don't know how, like, how do you get that to be clean? You can't see through that. What's in there? You know, is there anything of value that's in there? Oh, thanks, Ian. (laughs) Ian's like, I'm not afraid of a mess. Um, yeah, what, what's, what's actually in there? What's going on? Now, one, one interesting thing that I actually realized this morning as I came out into the garage to get this to load this is, and we'll talk about this more next week, is if you just are patient sometimes enough with it, if you just spend some time and, you know, just build a relationship and spend some time, the, the dirt sinks to the bottom. And it's not going to become crystal clear, but some clarity starts to come to the surface, like literally, because the dirt starts to sink to the bottom. And you're not denying that the dirt's not in there. It just begins to open some doors, I think, that were otherwise not there. And I think if, if this is our messy parts of our lives, When we get in authentic relationship with people, these are the points when we stand up and we say, hey, listen, I got this this jar of muck, and I'm not really sure what to do with it. Ideas? Could we talk about blank? Because I'm not sure how to handle blank. And then your group has a choice. They're looking at your, you know, jar of muck, and, and they have two options. They can say, oh, well, I only hang out with sparkly people. Or they'll most likely, I think more than oft, often, not, they'll, they'll pull out their own jars and they'll say, actually, yeah, I've been there. I've done it. I get it. I can help with that. Or if we don't know, let's figure it out together, not alone. If we don't know, let's figure it out together, not alone. And that's what I really want you to think about, is you can go through life avoiding this, and the truth of this, or you can go through life and say, you know what, it's there and it's a reality, and I'm not going to go at it alone. I'm not going to avoid it, and I'm not going to go at it alone. I'm going to go with it, go at life together, and it will take time, my friend. You're not, it's not like you get in a small group, and on day one, it's like, everybody bring out your dirt. It's not how that works. It takes time. You build the relationship, just like any new relationship. It takes time, right? But the more and more you open up about some of the 
darker, more muckier, messier, muddier parts of your life, the more trust can be built, and you get to grow. And 2,000 years ago, when the church began, that's what they did too, and that's what I think is so incredible. You're not doing anything new. You're doing exactly what they did 2,000 years ago. In the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, and, and, and other parts of Scripture, we could pull up other examples, but this is just a great one, and let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Hey, we're looking at this, and how can I spur you in the midst of that into love and good deeds? Not giving up meeting together. This was not Sunday church. This was in homes because they did not have Sunday church because otherwise they might be killed if they had Sunday church. This is getting together in homes and in basements. Not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Isn't that a great line? I just love that because people back then still struggled and were in the habit of not getting together. But encourage one another. And the end result of meeting together for them was growing together. And they took a church of like 12 dudes and one guy going through the, the, uh, the Galilee and preaching and all that stuff to become a church of over 2 billion people. And so I suppose you could say, well, I don't know if that works. I think it worked. It worked really well, especially for the th first 300 years of the church. So here's the question we're ending with today is, what areas of your life are you alone not maybe by choice, I get that, but there are areas in your life that you are alone, that you've never let anybody really into. You're not meant to be alone. That's not got how God designed us to live, and I understand there are seasons when we got to step back, and we got to reassess, and we got to take a breath, and I get that, but too often I think we use that excuse simply because to do otherwise would be too uncomfortable. And I just want to encourage you to think about and remember maybe the times in which life was better because you were not alone and you were together, whether that be with your spouse or friends or family, or maybe you've been in a group before and it's just been years and years since you've done one of these before. One of the things um, a few Month, or a few years ago, um, we had a group here at Infuse, and it was a pretty, like, diverse in age, which was really, really interesting. Um, the groups this year are a little bit more in stages of life, um, because we found that if you talk and meet with people who are in similar stages of life, you tend to have more in common, and the same problems are the same. Um, and when we sat down at one of the group meetings, um, we got on the subject of parenting grown children. And what was so interesting was despite the generational gap, we still had the same problems, just in different generations. One was, how do I deal with my parents as they are older and trying to kind of push their way into my life, and I'm trying to establish a family? And the other is, how do I be a good parent without pushing myself into my grown children's life? And it was one, some of the most authentic, just raw and honest dialogue on how to have a healthy relationship that, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure you can get from a book. Maybe there's a book out there. I haven't read it yet. It's possible. But it was just true to life. And it was so helpful because there's one thing when an author tells you and there's another when your neighbor who you live by says, no, I went through this and here's what I learned. And do you know that if you have any follow-up questions, you can just call them or walk down to their house. And you begin to go through life in all of it, the shiny, sparkly parts and the muddy parts together 
for better. And it's easier to avoid the uncomfortable, but my hope is you would not. And instead you would lean in, at least pray into, maybe, whether or not that's what God's next step is for you. And if maybe for some reason you believe that groups is not for you this year, and that's okay, but if it's, if it's not, then at least in the relationships that you form over the next year with others, you would say, hey, what areas of the life are they alone? What areas of their life could they benefit from someone else being there and begin to think beyond yourself and just even your needs and how you can serve and love and spur others onto good deeds and love them? If you would, bow your heads, we'll pray and sing a song, get you out of here. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, thank you for recognizing that we are better together than we are alone. Lord, thank you for recognizing um, Adam and saying, you know what, all this is good, but this part right here, this is not good. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we live through our 21st century lives with all the distractions we have, especially as connected as we could be through social media and the digital age and all that stuff, that, Lord, you would kind of step in and, and just kind of critique our minds and our hearts a little bit to recognize that we may be in proximity to other people, we may be in the presence of other people, but that doesn't mean that we're going to grow from that. That isn't going to lead to relationships that change our life. That, that we really desperately need. That we would recognize, and maybe this takes a conversation with a friend or a family member or a pastor or, or maybe even in our own community groups when we get those started next, next month, that there, there would be a time and a place where we say, actually, I think I am pretty alone in these areas of my life. And there's a place for privacy, we know that, Lord, but, but there is definitely a place where we're just going through it alone and we don't have to. And so, Lord, would you just, just kind of enter into our lives and our day-to-day, maybe into someone around us, and help us to recognize the places in our lives where, where we need to begin to let people back in, in a healthy, mature way. And recognize that it may be muddy, that it may be dirty, that it may be difficult to see through at first, but over time, through the uncomfortable, things start to come to light. Lord, and I pray that you would give us the strength to do that and the people to help walk us through that and give us the answers as we navigate those uncomfortable, murky waters. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.